the Canadian Police History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lacroix. Music provided by the 48th Highlanders of Canada. Today's guest, Deputy Chief Thomas Kareek, MOMMACMM3, Deputy Chief of Operations, York Regional Police. Early in my career, with a little less than two years on the job, I suffered a, a very severe injury where I severed 10 tendons, the ulnar nerve and the ulnar artery in my dominant arm. And the doctors predicted that I would never return to active duty. Welcome to the Canadian Police History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lacroix. Now, I know in last episode, I promised never to apologize again for the infrequency of the show. I am in a bit of a tough spot right now. My time is very precious, and I am trying to get some guests for you to listen to. And I know that it's easy for me to just go to my own police station and grab people right off that. But I really don't want to turn this into a York-centric police podcast. I really want to make sure that I'm getting members of the RCMP, members of provincial police forces from across Canada, municipal forces from everywhere. So we've already had Rob Roy McKenzie from the Vancouver City Police. We've had Bruce Mayer on the show from Niagara Regional Police. Also from Niagara, we had Inspector Matt Richardson. And we also had a law professor on the show in the form of the Honorable Bill Graham. And we've been fortunate to cross into a little bit of security forces with Greg Briggs, where he works in the nuclear security field. So I have been able to reach out to different agencies and different groups. However, drawing in police officers from across Canada is proving to be a challenge. So anything you can do to help me out to make sure that I draw in the types of police officers and police leaders that you want to hear from, please help me out. You can help me out at, at MikeLacroixCPHP at gmail.com. And I would be very happy to get in touch with the police officer, the police leader that you have suggested to me and make sure that they get their interview done. I have some invitations out there in the world, and hopefully I can get some people courageous enough to have their story recorded and participate in an interview. Now, I have been noticing on the Facebook page for the podcast that a lot of people are hitting the like button, and I really appreciate that. It gives me some feedback, lets me know that I'm on the right track. And I hope that people aren't just visiting the Facebook page, but they are actually listening to the podcast and enjoying the show. So hopefully not only are they visiting the Facebook page, hitting the like button, but they're also on a subscription with the show. Speaking about the subscription and liking, if you can go on iTunes and just take a quick minute and hit the feedback button, give me some feedback on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. All that does is it lets other people know about the show when they're searching for something to listen to on iTunes. It's very helpful and every time someone does that, I really appreciate it. Today's guest on the show is Deputy Chief Tom Creek. Now, Tom Creek has had a varied police career where he's had the opportunity to work in investigative services. He's had the opportunity to work in support services such as traffic. He has led in various departments such as recruiting, training, and in professional development. He has also earned some police specialties in his time as a police officer, such as being a motorcycle operator such as working in the Marine unit and in the public order unit. Tom Creek was my boss when I started off in the Traffic Bureau, and he gave me some unique opportunities to work on Project ERASE, which is the Counter Street Racing Project for the province of Ontario. ERASE stands for Eliminate Racing Activity on Streets Everywhere, and that project's been running strong for over a decade. 
Tom Creek has had the opportunity to work as the Deputy Chief of Administration, and now he's moved to the position of Deputy Chief of Operations for York Regional Police. Here's my interview with Deputy Chief Tom Creek. Deputy Chief Creek, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Mike. Sir, you and I first met when I was an applicant to the Traffic Bureau of York Regional Police, and that was about 2004. You were working as the Staff Sergeant. That's correct, Mike, and I do remember that time very well. We were purposefully attempting to build a high-performance team in traffic. You had come very highly recommended by then-Inspector Eugene Kerrigan and your Staff Sergeant at the time, Staff Sergeant Craig Rogers, affectionately known as Bucky. Yeah, that's right. And you were one of the high-potential candidates that we identified as wanting to see to come to traffic. Well, that's interesting you say that because I had no idea that was going on in the background. I thought it was all on me, so it's very reassuring. <laughs> well, as you know, Mike, as an experienced leader in the military, there's mentors and there's sponsors. And sometimes we have sponsors out there that clear the way for us or put a good word into somebody who's got an opportunity to, to make something happen for somebody based on the good work that they've seen. So there's lots of leadership roles that aren't necessarily visible to those that are being influenced by them. Right. Well, I'll make sure if I cross paths with either of those two, I'll make sure that I thank them properly then. Great. Now, sir, I sent you the questions in advance. Are you all set? I certainly am, Mike. Excellent. Why don't you tell the listeners why you chose to join York Regional Police? Well, I chose to join York Regional Police after a lifetime of wanting to be a police officer. And I think my desire to get into policing stems from having a strong role model as my father. He was an auxiliary police officer with the Metropolitan Toronto Police back then. And as a kid, I didn't realize that he actually had another job that provided for our family. I was so proud of the fact that he would leave the house wearing a police uniform. And I thought he was solely responsible for keeping the citizens of Toronto safe. <laughs> I grew up with the desire of fulfilling that obligation in my community. I was drawn to policing from that to truly do my part in protecting good from evil and wanting to be involved in an action-oriented career. And from there, learning a little bit about various police services in the greater Toronto area, I was drawn to York Regional Police. What year was that? It was 1990. I actually first applied to be a cadet with Toronto Police right out of high school, and I was not fortunate enough to get hired into the cadet program at that time. It actually turned out, I think, to be a blessing in disguise <laughs> because it allowed me the opportunity to continue my education, also to gather some work experience in other fields that I think have contributed greatly to my abilities here at York Regional Police. So what was the world like when you joined? You hear a lot. Actually, I was speaking to one of the officers I joined with and was in my recruit class back in 1990. I was speaking to one of them today, and I had seen a, another one over this past weekend. And you frequently hear from people that I don't know whether I would join policing again today as I did 25 years ago. For me, not the case. I would do it all over again today. <laughs> I would do it all over again tomorrow. I think what has changed that's most evident has changed is the public oversight for policing. So when I joined in 1990, there was not a special investigations unit. There was not an OIPRD administering public complaints. There wasn't as much oversight from a financial perspective over the profession of policing as there is today. So that would be the biggest change administratively. I would have to say that operationally, the largest change has been the impact of global events 
in local communities. Right. Absolutely. As the world, yeah, as the world has become flatter and smaller through not only transportation but the transition of information, it has brought a whole different dimension to policing in Canada. Right. Now, something that's unique about policing is the cars. What was your police car when you joined? <laughs> we had the Chevy Caprice back then and they were actually fueled by propane. Oh, so one okay. of the one of the things as a new officer you had to learn was how to safely fill your propane powered vehicle and you had a big rubber glove that you had to put on to fuel the car at the beginning and the end of your shift. They were fairly well equipped for a vehicle back in 1990. They still had the air conditioning and York Regional Police was the first police service in Ontario to move to the MDT, the mobile data terminal at the time. So we did have computers in the cars and we had the latest light bars and siren packages and all of that type of equipment. But there have been tremendous advancements in the technology of the cruisers, the safety features with ABS and all-wheel drive. So there's been tremendous improvements in the platform that our officers enjoy operating today versus what they were operating 25 years ago. Right. Well, if you had told me to guess 1990, I would have said Caprice Classic, but I would have never guessed propane powered. That was a unique experiment. That was. You would have thought they would be very underpowered. It wasn't the case, but you were obviously restricted as to where you could fill your vehicle up. Right. We did not have, certainly in four district, we didn't have propane refueling ability at the station. So you had to go to a contractor to fill your vehicle up at the end of every shift. Right. Now, what were you like when you joined? What was I like when I joined? Uh, from what what perspective, Mike? Well, if you were to meet yourself 25 years ago, what would you say about yourself? Or what did the people on your recruit class think about who Tom Kareek was when he joined? Oh, boy. That, you know what? That's a great question. Uh, and I, I don't know that I could say with any accuracy or confidence what the people in my class would have thought about who Tom Kareek was when he joined York Regional Police back in 1990 or, or where he would end up some 25 years later. I think uh, a lot of who I was, I see in my son today, who's just turned 21 and is studying justice through Guelph Humber and is working as an auxiliary police officer. So I think it's a, a really neat opportunity that you probably notice with your kids as well, getting to see a lot of what you were very likely like at their age. Right. I certainly joined policing with Probably a a better understanding than a a lot of people do, having had the advantage of my father being a superintendent with Toronto Auxiliary for 20 plus years at that point. That gave me a bit of an insight into what the career of policing was going to be like, not having to rely on what you saw on TV and in the movies. And you think you grow at every experience that you have from there moving forward. So some of the ideals that you have when you start out as to what the profession is going to be like, what society is like, and the issues that you're going to be encountering as a police officer, that's ever-changing and constantly dynamic. And that does have an impact on you as an individual, and it's up to you to try to manage that as best you can. Are they learning opportunities? Are they growth opportunities? And what are you doing to manage that stress and to bring balance into your own life so you can take the positive opportunities out of that and try to mitigate a lot of the negative impacts that our job can have on you as an individual? Certainly. 
there are a lot of stresses and they come in different forms in the different roles that we each play, whether it's supervising a group of people and making sure they get home at the end of the shift or whether you're in a position where you have to knock on that door at two o'clock in the morning and tell that family that someone's not coming home whether it's a member of the community or whether it's a member of the policing community. Those are all different types of stress that each one of us bears at a different level. Well, most definitely. And depending on who you are and uh, and where you end up in your career, some people end up with a lot more of that stress that they have to deal with than others. And you never know what level of stress or amount of stress that any one of us are going to encounter at any one point in time, which is why it's so important that everybody puts their best effort into making sure that they are physically and and mentally fit for the duties of being a police officer. Absolutely. Now, before we move on to the second question, I just want to close the door on something that you opened a little bit, and you spoke a bit about your father's experience in the police world. Can you just give the highlights on what your father did? And and you said he was an auxiliary member, so perhaps there's more to the story than his quote-unquote other life. Well, yes, certainly very proud of what my father accomplished as an auxiliary police officer with Toronto Police. He rose through the ranks of Toronto auxiliary and ended up being the second in command of their auxiliary force. They were around, I want to say, 300 or so. They were a fairly large force, in particular back in those days, and was responsible for bringing a lot of innovation to the Toronto auxiliary police seeing that the female police officers moved away from the pillbox caps to the forge caps and the auxiliaries away from skirts into pants, was responsible for formalizing various units within the auxiliary police, getting them involved in the marine unit, riding motorcycles, a lot of engaging and assisting with the operational aspects of policing and evolving that to be more of a, a professional type auxiliary unit that could support its regular service through giving of their time to the community. Right. And as you just said, giving, that's an unpaid position, right? Most definitely, yes. Exceptional. Yeah, it really is. And I think that if you're going to succeed in policing, you should never be drawn to policing through the attraction of pay or benefits or any of the other things that come along with any professional advocation. Uh, You should be drawn to policing through the desire to serve, the desire to serve a community and to protect individuals and preserve the quality of life that we enjoy here in Canada. That should be the true reason that somebody is drawn to policing. Certainly. So let's move on to the second question. What was your most memorable experience in York Regional Police or your greatest achievement? You know, I I did look at this question in advance, Mike, and I don't know that I can capture my career in in one most memorable (laughs) experience, um, and certainly not in a greatest achievement, because I don't think in policing that we achieve anything great as an individual. Anything that we achieve great is done through the collaborative effort of many people that make up a a police service. There's a lot of memorable experiences that I, I have had, and I would have to say that I would capture the majority of them around working on a high-performing team. So anything that I've been a part of accomplishing, the most memorable experiences I've had have been 
working as part of a high-performing team. And whether that's being involved in an investigation that's concluded with positive results, whether that's uh, initiating change through a new initiative or a new program or being able to help an individual or group in the community, that's not done alone. That's done through being part of a team. Right. And I would have to say that that's my most memorable part about this career so far is having the privilege to be a part of what I would consider a a high-performing team. Is there something that one of your high-performing teams did that brings specific pride that perhaps you can just relate in a story or an anecdote? A couple of things I would have to say that uh, that come to mind, Mike, uh, certainly from the traffic end of the world where, where you and I have the, our foundation of our relationship, being a part of the team that established the Save a Life Traffic Safety Initiative that became the traffic management strategy not only for York Regional Police, but for the entire regional municipality of York. Right. That was definitely a memorable experience. And again, one that was led by many, many people. And I was just one of many that had an opportunity to contribute to that. From an investigative standpoint, having had the opportunity to play a small role in a number of different major investigations or projects as part of a larger investigative team, but one that would come to mind was a serial sexual predator that was being looked at in a multi-jurisdictional investigation, and there had been numerous attempts to collect discarded DNA evidence from the suspect and I was part of a team that ended up acquiring a cast-off DNA sample that later assisted in the conviction of that very dangerous offender. Wow, impressive. Well, I can honestly tell you that as a frontline officer, one of the things I enjoyed was working side-by-side with many of our law enforcement partners with the Ministry of Transportation, Ministry of Environment, our bylaw officers, our CN, rail police, all of those team members I was always impressed when our leadership allowed us to make those partnerships and keep them going. And not only that, but the second thing you touched on was it was always exciting to be part of a multi-jurisdictional initiative. And it makes you really look forward to going to work and strapping the boots on and getting out the door rather than a typical job where perhaps you would dread going to work every day or you simply think that, well, I have to go to work. No, I want to go to work. When the leadership allows you to have those opportunities, it's always part of the experience that makes it worthwhile. People like to be empowered. We're very fortunate in policing that we are surrounded by dedicated subject matter experts. And as a leader, as a supervisor, as a manager, if you can build trusting and collaborative relationships with your constituents and with your partners, it gives you that ability to empower them to do their job. And that brings with it great results for the organization and for the community, but it also brings with it great reward for those that are are empowered to do what they've signed up to do, which is to serve the community and protect the quality of life that we enjoy, as, as we've talked about earlier. You know, I often reflect on a comment that my wife made when I had been with York Regional Police for about eight years at the time, and I was working in intelligence, and we were a small unit, that this particular unit that I was in, and there was a unit of five, only one person could be off at a time. We were doing up to 500 hours of overtime every year. You never knew what you were working the next day. It depended on what your subject was doing the next day. And there was no ability to plan a personal life whatsoever. 
and never once did I look at heading out the door as going off to work. It was right. getting an opportunity to do something that people could only dream of doing. And when my wife said to me one day, I'm so envious of you going off to work every single day with excitement and never looking at it as going to a job. You're right. going to do what you're passionate about and what you, you love to do. And I just can't imagine doing anything else other than policing and can't imagine anything else bringing that level of passion and dedication. Certainly. Sir, who is your greatest influence or who is the most memorable character that you've encountered in your service? Certainly lots of memorable characters, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) We often joke that you could write a book and each day could be a different chapter in the book with the memorable characters that we get to meet in policing. And I don't know if there's been a single greatest influence, but there certainly have been three individuals within York Regional Police that have had the greatest influence on my career collectively from an individual we talked about at the onset of our conversation, Superintendent Eugene Kerrigan. I met him when I was a business owner in the community. He was an inspector in charge of recruiting at the time, and he actively recruited me to apply to York Regional Police. That's He did the same to me. I know he did. (laughs) I know he did. And, you know, at at that point, I had kind of set aside my dream of becoming a police officer and had established a business that was doing quite well and was focusing my attention there. And it was he who drew me back into pursuing that goal. And then I had the opportunity to work with for him on a number of occasions throughout my career. And you mentioned it earlier, somebody that trusts in their staff, empowers them to do the job to the best of their ability, and then rewards them for doing a good job. So certainly the the model leader and the person that I attribute with getting me and providing me the opportunity to be a police officer with York Regional Police. And then the two other individuals that have had the greatest influence on me as a police leader would be Chief Eric Jolliffe and Chief Armin Labarge. I have had the opportunity to work closely with each one of those individuals as leaders and absolutely tremendous police leaders, each contributing greatly to the success of this police service, which stands second to none in this nation and quite frankly, right across North America. And it's been their leadership that has allowed us to establish ourselves as to where we're at. And they have been absolutely tremendous mentors for me. Well, one thing you can say, they're both two different types of leaders. And when you can appreciate what each leader brings to the table, that's where you can acknowledge their differences and their strengths. But if you look at their strengths, that's where you see where they come through. And Absolutely. That's one of the great things in, in policing. You get the opportunity to work in so many different areas and to work with and for so many different people. And if you take the time to look and learn and appreciate the qualities that different people have and and really concentrate your effort on emulating the, the positive qualities that we're surrounded with, it's a tremendous opportunity for us to grow as individuals and to grow as professionals. Right. Now, sir, we've reached the last question. What is the greatest challenge that you've had to overcome? I think, again, there would probably be three things that I would put into this category, Mike, and and each one kind of related to the other. I found it a a very, very difficult challenge to get into policing at the onset, made numerous attempts to get hired and didn't have a lot of success in the beginning, but kept coming back and kept 
pursuing my goal of becoming a police officer and it, it eventually happened for me. So that was getting into my career. Early in my career, with a little less than two years on the job, I suffered a, a very severe injury where I severed 10 tendons, the ulnar nerve and the ulnar artery in my dominant arm. And the doctors predicted that I would never return to active duty. And it took nine months of daily therapy that lasted for hours and hours and hours each day to get myself back to the point where I could become active again in my career. Right. So those are probably the two greatest challenges. And, and then the third would be, I've been very fortunate to be given great opportunities in this organization. And with every one of those, those opportunities, specifically being promotion, each one of those bring their own unique challenges that take time to overcome and to settle into the role and the responsibilities that you've been provided and be able to move the organization and those that make up the organization forward. Right, absolutely. Well, sir, I know that York Regional Police has recently moved their headquarters. That's quite a significant step in changing the physical address of the organization. What's next for York Regional Police? What's on the horizon? You know, Mike, I think you uh, more than anyone will appreciate the fact that we consider ourselves leaders in policing and we tend to be at the front end of things and, and trying to make sure that we're doing all of the right things for the right reasons, maintaining a, an efficient and effective police service. And when you are pushing yourself and others to be at the forefront like that, it means that there's constant change. So what's next for York Regional Police is ensuring that we're able to maintain the efficient and effective service delivery model that we currently enjoy. And with that means constantly scanning the environment, uh, adapting to not only what's happening today, but what's going to happen 5, 10, 15 years down the road and making sure that we are charting our own destiny in the best interest of the citizens of York Region and not waiting for somebody else to define what our role will be. Well, sir, I think we can let the audience off the hook and let them know that this is our April 1st episode of the Canadian Military History Podcast and altering the format a little bit to change it to the history of York Regional Police rather than the Canadian Armed Forces. Is there anything you'd like to say just to summarize your episode? Other than to thank you for the opportunity, Mike, it's not lost on me that you've taken the opportunity and interest to allow York Regional Police to be represented on your podcast, which is traditionally reserved for the Canadian Armed Forces, who are amongst some of the greatest leaders that we know in this nation and who we have to thank for ultimately the quality of life and freedom that we enjoy in this great country. So getting the opportunity to participate in this is just a true privilege for me, and thank you very much. You're very welcome, sir. So thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be a guest on the show. And I'm sure we're going to be seeing you hopefully soon at a groundbreaking ceremony in the next coming months, hopefully. I'm certainly hoping so as well, Mike. (laughs) Excellent, sir. Thanks again. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy the podcast, please leave some feedback on iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send me an email at mikelacroixcmhp at gmail.com. Please let me know if you'd like me to read your comments on the air. 
While you're waiting for our next episode, please visit the website at www.CanadianMilitaryHistoryPodcast.ca or the CMHP Facebook page. If you'd like to support the podcast by making a donation, please click the PayPal link on the webpage. The next time you're considering buying something from Amazon.ca, please visit the Canadian Military History Podcast website and click on my Amazon link. A small portion of your purchase goes directly towards the support and maintenance of the podcast. However, your great price from Amazon doesn't change. All donations will go directly into the production of the podcast. All music is used with the express permission of the commanding officer. End tag music is provided by the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. Views and opinions are those of the guests of the Canadian Military History Podcast and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Mike Lacroix Productions, the Government of Canada, or the Department of National Defence. This is a Mike Lacroix Production.